Denver Rubber Company is the most reliable local partner for your long-term projects, and they've been locally owned since 1972, all the while providing the highest quality of products from custom die-cut gaskets to molded rubber to anything else you can imagine made out of rubber. And more importantly these days, snow is on the ground and it's sticking. So Denver Rubber Company is your one-stop shop for anything snow plows, specifically snow plow blades that can be cut to any size and any specifications get on it they have some of the best in the business they have two sides as well so you get twice as much use out of them be sure to call them today for any snow plow needs custom gaskets hoses all that as well you can reach them at 1-800-259-0010 or visit them online at drcfirst.com slash dnvr and Cole gets another good righty and another right by Cole. A left by Cole this time. Tipped in front by Mika Rentinen. He shoots and scars. Nathan McKinnon. Cole J.T. Comfer. 877 goes now. Gabriel Landeskog. Collective hugs. 29 and 92. Save me by Grubauer. Move over, Picasso. This piece of art is by McKinnon, my goodness gracious. Welcome in to the DNVR Avalanche podcast presented by Davidson's Beer, Wine, and Spirits. Davidson's has over 1,000 different varieties of beer, and they are locally owned as well with two awesome locations in Centennial and Highlands Ranch. Be sure to download their app today for incredible deals and sign up for their loyalty program. If you're really lazy, you can even get the booze delivered to you. So yeah, be sure to stay on top of that. You can also head to their locations for things like free tastings on Fridays from 3 to 6 p.m. and Saturdays from 1 to 4. So if you're not sure what you... What? Really lazy. I'm I'm gonna prefer to think of Davidson's liquor delivery, I should say alcohol delivery, as efficient. Because it just means I don't have to go and get it. They can bring it to me and I can keep on doing all the rest of the stuff I need to do. I mean, I strive to be as lazy as possible, so see I don't I'm, mind being lazy. I'm working on efficiency here. I don't think it's lazy to order delivery. I think it's just efficient. I got groceries coming in the morning. Guess what? That means I don't have to go to the grocery store. That means while I'm at the gym, that's getting dropped off at my house and I come home. Blam! Breakfast waiting to be made for me. Just Im- immediately ruin that gym by having the food ready to eat. I mean, uh, like, you know, I'm not gonna not gonna go crazy. I'm just gonna have have some breakfast, man. Some eggs here and there. Fair. That's fair enough. You could eat a healthy breakfast, I suppose. Aren't you supposed to do that before the gym, though? Uh, I don't like to I don't like to eat when I first wake up and I usually get up half an hour before the gym, stretch out, and then I will go to the gym and then right. work out and then come back and then have breakfast. Well, we're learning AJ's routine on the pod today, apparently. Yeah. Uh, but also, <laughs> whatever the abs had for breakfast seemed to work just fine in Ottawa as they took care of business. They had some moments in the first period that we'll talk about, but for the most part, this one felt pretty routine for them. Uh, Yeah. I mean, you're never going to play a perfect game, but 4-1, 
they take care of business against a team that doesn't belong on the same ice as them. Pretty standard stuff. Yep. I, From top to bottom, other than the final period of the first minute, the Avs just look like the better team in this hockey game. Mm, so the, the final minute of the first period? Yeah. That, that's... <laughs> It's three games in a row now. The Avs have given up a goal in the final minute of the first. Yeah, and not a trend you want to continue. Definitely not. The teams like Buffalo, teams like Ottawa, you get away with that. But that's really painful against a better team. As we saw in, in Philly. Exactly. Yeah, so. That two-goal deficit was a problem all game long. Uh, had it just been the one, you know, maybe, maybe that game turns out differently. So definitely not a trend that can continue for the Avs to be successful. In this case, they almost actually gave up two goals in the last minute. They did. One of them was kicked in, so it didn't count. Very clearly kicked. It was like the most blatant kick where nobody reacted whatsoever. Yeah. And it reminded me of the uh, the, the disallowed goal in the Avs-Chicago game where they said McKinnon kicked it in. And... I talked to him about it after the game, and he just laughed and was like, I didn't kick. I, I I was stopping. And he was like, does that guy have any idea how fast I'm going? I was stopping. And then <laughs> tonight, you watch it, and the dude turns the blade, kicks it. like It's like a full-on soccer kick. Yep. And it was like, huh, there's a big difference between these two. Which, I mean, I think it should count anyway. Yeah, the uh, the the Ottawa broadcasters were like fighting about it on air. Really? Yeah, where one of them was like, "Oh, you can kick a puck out, but you can't kick it into the net. That's a safety issue. Why isn't it a safety issue for kicking the puck in the net? But you can kick a puck out." And the other dude didn't have any kind of response and was like, "We don't have to do this on air." And he's like, "Is that because you don't have any argument?" And he was <laughs> like, and he was like, "Yeah, pretty much." <laughs> The Ottawa broadcast goes hard. Yeah, they, well, I mean, between between that argument, the uh, the the talk about the draft, you would have thought that that was a two and a half hour commercial for the Avalanche. <laughs> like they straight up advertised the Avalanche and why people should be watching Avs games better than Altitude does. Amazing! It was incredible to listen to. I've started on road games. I've started listening to broadcasts for this reason. I try and find the perception of what the ads are on the outside. And Ottawa's perception was, this is exactly who we want the Senators to be in a couple of years. Look, they went through a stretch where they were really bad, but they had a couple of high picks. They used them well. All those guys gelled together. They're still super young and they're super good. And they're going to be that way for a while. That's exactly how they should be doing it here in Ottawa. So it was just, it was an interesting broadcast from the, from in that regard. Yeah, I, it definitely is a, a bit of change of pace for the abs to be envied by other teams. I'm the abs are not a team. This, this is the first time that this core of the abs has been in this situation really. So I, you know, I don't think the team probably reads too much into what other broadcasters are saying, but certainly the fan base does. 
And well, definitely the team, you know, the team knows it's general perception, right? It's not like they're completely clueless to it. You know, they have an idea of what the feeling is around the league from other players and teams and whatnot. And because guys like me always tell them, but the, uh, it's interesting just because of our relationship with abs fans and how sure. every game, you know, like tonight I saw at least one tweet. I think I've, I think I saw two um, where somebody had mentioned, Oh, this, this, this giving up, uh, giving up goals, Late in periods is not indicative of a championship team, and well. and I'm just it, it just seems like every wart the Abs have that's yeah. the argument. It gets nitpicked to death. Yeah, like that's that's how people feel about it. Is they're like, oh, this is yes, Winnipeg just scored. Woo! They are they are up four two over St. Louis with twelve seconds to play. Ten seconds to play. That's two points closer to the Avs. Get yeah, to the same. top spot. Yeah, that'll be a six-point uh, six gap now between Colorado and St. Louis. Um, but anyway, it seems like every Avs wart gets nitpicked by the Avalanche fans in such a way that it, it's like the Avs, are look, Avs fans seem to be looking for reasons why the Avs aren't a championship team. And the outside perception of them is a whole bunch of here are 15 reasons why they are. Yep. It's time to let the love in, I guess. I think I think we're at that point. Yeah, I really do. I think it's time that uh, uh, some of the guy, uh, there was one guy who bailed on New Year's Eve and said, I'll see you next season. Like, you know, that might have been a bit, a bit much at the time, but like Colorado has 30 wins through 52 games. They are in second place. They are six points now behind the Blues. Uh, they have, they will have three games in hand as soon as this blues game finishes. Um, they, they're, they're in this thing. Yep. 100% in the race, not just for the playoffs, not just for home ice, but for potentially the top spot in the West. Yeah, they are. They are now, uh, closer to St. Louis and first place in the West than they are from falling out of a playoff spot. And again, that's with games in hand on basically everyone. It, they do have games in hand. Uh, they've got one on Dallas. Uh, they will have one on Nashville, three on Winnipeg, three on Chicago, three on St. Louis. Is Chicago so, playing tonight? I thought I they were. I don't know. Two on Chicago, then. Even still, games in hand. Yeah. They've got games in hand on all these teams that they need to have games in hand on. So, you know, it's... They're, and and you look at the the race for the top overall seed in the West. Uh, Colorado is a point ahead of Vancouver. So if if the Avs are able to catch St. Louis, they should be set up nicely for first place. You got to feel good about it. Uh, as we talked about before the Buffalo game, even the Avs have been taking care of business against the teams they need to take care of. And they get to play a lot of those teams in the second half right now. Those games in hand, those come against, they play Ottawa again after this road trip. They play Columbus and Minnesota, two beatable teams. Columbus is a good team, but, you know, there are Minnesota opportunities. Like, as we've seen, Minnesota is solid, but, like, they're a borderline playoff team. Uh, same the same thing is true of, of Columbus out east. You know, Columbus has 67 points right now. So... 
The abs the abs are a point behind Columbus, so it's not like Columbus is bad. It they're Columbus is a borderline playoff team, and I think that's the point I'm trying to make here. The Avs should be beating borderline playoff teams. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I'm my only thing is like they're only a borderline playoff team because of their circumstance. They've got 67 points. They'd be leading the Pacific. They'd be ahead of Colorado. Like Columbus is a good hockey team. I still think it's a team that not every night, but more than 50% of the time the Avs should beat. They're they're a good hockey team that they beat once already. But they are completely on fire right now with insane. They're getting insane goaltending. So I don't I don't know if they're so much really good as they are just enjoying like a crazy hot stretch that might be carrying them. But we'll see. I think I think Saturday night's going to be a very good game. I think it'll probably be the best, most competitive game that they have on this road trip. Well, looking forward to that, but. Before we get to that, we do have to talk about this game that happened. We got a little bit off track, but we'll wrap up the first period here. You know what's coming. It's an abs victory. So Brecken Ridge Brewery is the official beer of DNVR. I have a Breck lager in my hand as we speak this very moment. You know the drill. Check out the Breck event calendar on the dnvr the nuggets watch party this weekend is coming up quick be sure to rsvp to come out and drink some breck beers with us you can also find breck beer specifically i know it's all over the country but if you're looking for one specifically you can go to breckenridge brewery's website and use the breck brew beer locator and they will tell you where to go to find the beer that you want so Try that out. If you're looking for the Strawberry Sky or something, you haven't been able to find it, that should be able to tell you where to go. Yeah, I can't say enough about Breck Brew. They're just awesome, and I they're one of my favorite sponsors. I love all of our sponsors, but Breck Brew is, is just dope, so try them out if you haven't yet. Second period of the DNVR Avalanche podcast presented by Davidson's Beer, Wine, and Spirits. I'm Rudo. He's AJ. AJ, I've got a question for you. Is Kale McCarr human? Because I thought he was there for a couple of games, but after this one, I'm not so sure. Well, and that's that's the thing, right? Is that he's like a hockey robot, so... Yeah. He... He's human sometimes. And then I think he gets like a software upgrade while he's sleeping. And <laughs> Kale McCarr version 2.2. Or yeah, whatever. exactly. And then he, he wakes back up and he's like, oh, well. Updated, uh, uh, updated the hardware. Let's let's do this. And goes out and has a game like today where. <laughs> I mean, you could see it just minutes into the game. Yeah. You could see this was going to be. He just decided he was getting points in this game. Yeah, it was it was going to be a Kale McCarr game. Yep. And it it absolutely was. He picks up a goal and an assist. The I don't was he the first rookie to 40 points? He did it like in the same second that uh, uh Hughes did it. But. Hughes Hughes was he Hughes did it a few minutes earlier. Okay. And then and then McCarr tied him, but McCarr was 
faster because of the fewer games played. Right. By games played, he was significantly faster. Neener, neener, suckers. <laughs> so, I, this is what's big for me, for Makar, is to still be able to have games like this in the second half. Yeah. You'll be surprised to see some slowdown here and there, a couple of games off. That happens to every single rookie in the NHL. I don't care if you're Connor McDavid. It just happens a little bit, especially to college kids. But if he can turn that around and then go out and have a game like this and not go on stretches of four, five, six games where it's a struggle, I mean, watch out, man. This team is just way too talented to have that weapon on the back end as well. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of what we've talked about, right? Is that if these guys can get going and firing on all cylinders or even firing on 80% of their cylinders, they're they're arguably the best team. And I think they're easily the best team in the West and they arguably would be one of the best teams in hockey. Yeah, I, I can't disagree with that at all because they, the talent is absolutely there. There's no doubt about that on this team. The high-end talent, be it at the top of the forward core or with Kale McCarr on defense and even guys like Sam Gerrard, it's just about the consistency there. And I talked about this a little bit after the Sabres game. Consistency is much more of a team-wide thing. Any given player is not going to come out and produce every single night for you unless it's Nathan McKinnon. So... Mm-hmm. On a night where, say, Val Nichushkin isn't scoring tonight, that's the night where you need a Matt Calvert to step up. If Matt Calvert isn't producing that night, okay, then you need Burakovsky to step up or Belmar steps up that night. You have to have all of your threats be an option because not all of them are going to work every night. You can't have deadlines like the Avs have had in the past. We talked about it a lot over the offseason where the fourth line was just a bunch of dudes. Yeah. When you look at tonight, a great example, Val Nachushkin, first goal. Second yep. second goal early in the second period, Matt Nieto from Belmar and Jost. Kale McCarr from Rantanen and McKinnon on the power play. And then when you needed it, when you really kind of needed to just put them away early in the third period, don't let them score and get to within 3-2 and start feeling good about themselves as like a young, frisky team. Three and a half minutes into the third, JT Comper scores. That's getting scoring from everywhere, and it's something the Avs hadn't had a ton of lately. Obviously, the second line had been going off, but guys like Comfort, guys like Nieto, I guess Nieto had a goal against Detroit, but before that, it had been a while since he last scored. Mm -hmm. Comfort had been eight games, I think, since his last goal as well. So getting those guys regularly in the rotation, picking up points, picking up goals here and there, that's how, as a team, you become more consistent offensively. Yeah, and and even if you're not scoring goals, you know, we're seeing Jost chip in assists. We're seeing Belmar chip in assists. Um, McKinnon, totally, like, kind of a human dude since the All-Star break ended, has two assists in three games. Yep. So, not cool. you know, not, not McKinnon-esque, but the fact that they are still decimating the bad teams and McKinnon's and it's not like, Oh, Nathan McKinnon went off for five points. You know, Andre Burakovsky had a four point night against Buffalo tonight. Uh, it was all, it was all spread out. 
Like yeah. half of Colorado's forwards got points tonight. The only multi-point guy was Kale McCarr. <laughs> it's and it does lessen the load significantly on guys. This is another night where none of the abs forwards played over 20 minutes. Now McKinnon still did lead the team with over 19, but those extra minutes add up, especially in the second half. So the abs are doing everything to keep themselves fresh, to give themselves a chance to win almost every night, even in the Philly game where obviously they never caught up and ended up coming short. Mm -hmm. They were getting the get within one goal repeatedly. So the depth production that I think a lot of people had been calling for that the abs needed for years. It's here. It, this is as good as it's going to get. Well, and you see it, um, making a big difference in these games, especially against the bad teams. You talk about managing the workload and the minutes. Uh, it's a huge, it's a huge factor because they're able to kind of just take it a little easier late in these, in some of these games, you know, we look at, I, I sent you a thing before we started, and I believe I put it in my takeaways. Colorado's played some of the bottom tier teams, like a handful of them recently. And games against San Jose, Detroit, uh, Ottawa, and Buffalo, and they've outscored those those four in those four games. They've outscored them 20 to five. Like this, they're taking care of business against the baddies they need to take care of business against. And they're not doing it in a stressful way outside of one period. The first period against Detroit, it has been almost entirely stress-free against those teams. Like there was like six minutes against Buffalo where they were, they were taxed. There was the final minute of the first period tonight where they were taxed. And after they had not given up a shot on goal through the first 18 minutes, very you know? pressure off games for sure. Which yeah, is like games where you're getting points, but you're not the, the physical and mental wear and tear is not there. It's an entirely different world than the last two years for the Avs. And it's only going to amplify as guess what? There's a really, really good chance that the Avs aren't having to worry about clinching in game 82 in game 81. Right. There's, a very good chance that we're talking about having clinched the playoffs 10 games out from the end of the year. Now there may be races for first place and things like that, but that's a very different kind of pressure than trying to squeak in at all. Right. And I mean, we're talking what we've, I've every year I kind of draw the line in the sand at 95 points. If you have a 95 point season and you miss the playoffs, you tip your cap to eight teams who beat you out. Like that's, that sucks. The abs are the abs are now twenty nine points away from that, with thirty games to play. With thirty games to play, the more that they continue to get that ratio in the right direction, you know, fifteen points out with with twenty five games or twenty some odd games to play, whatever it ends up being. I'm not going to try and do that math in my head. Uh, what you know, as long as they get that that ratio continues and they're can, they continue to separate. They're gonna. They're in really good shape. Hard to argue with that. I think they are already. They're in really good shape. So yeah. it, it's great to see. And I'm just looking forward to the rest of the season at this point, where 
it'll still be an exciting race for the Avs, but it won't be a nail biter down to the finish. And, you know, give my heart a break. I, it's done enough beating over the past couple of years down the stretch. So, yeah, well, and that's what they've that's like their big takeaway from last season where they really choked away a similar opportunity in the middle of the season. Yeah, and they have they have said we are not doing that again. We are not messing around until the late, the end of the year. We are specifically looking to avoid that. And it, it makes a huge, huge difference for obviously things worked out with Miko Rantanen getting injured late and coming back and playing great in the playoffs anyway, but not having to go full bore every single game all season long. Those guys are going to get healthier. The guys who have those little dings, those little bits that are banged up, they're not going to have to play through them every single night. You're going to be a little bit healthier coming into the playoffs, and that's a huge deal. Injuries always have a massive impact in the playoffs. Well, and and you talk about like load management type stuff, you know, not to again steal from the NBA, but you're you're having this conversation about okay, these guys are nicked up, but you're you're beating the bad teams. You know, you're let, let's fast forward to Buffalo at home on February 26th. Mm-hmm. So just three weeks from now, um, you know, we're talking that's we're not even like we're not even in, in the conversation about playoff clinching yet, like clinching a spot and resting guys. But if you're in the third period and it's, you know, and it's say it's three to nothing in the third against Buffalo at home knowing that you have Carolina and Nashville back to back that weekend, like you can gear that down a little bit and guys that have little nicks here and there, you're not going out there and putting them in the middle of the mix. You're saying, Hey, let's skip you for a shift. You know, you're giving them just a little bit of a break here, there, or you can even just shut it down entirely and be like, Hey, look, we just don't need all of you guys to go, maximum crazy pants at the end of uh, at the end of a decided game it it helps avoid the injuries like the one that Rantanen had earlier in the year with his ankle and he it came out after the fact and he talked about it that you know he had kind of already tweaked the ankle and it wasn't 100% before he kind of got silly with it and twisted it badly mm-hmm those are the moments where if Randon comes back to the bench and says, I, I got to take the next shift off because this ankle's a little wonk- wonky right now. That's exactly what you're talking about. You take that off, Randon gets out of the game okay instead of missing the next month or whatever it is. Right. Well, and, and even in that game, they were down like five to two or something. And it was just like, there's no need for this. Like, right. Was that, I think that was the three to one game, but whatever. It was like, you knew at that point it was like there's you don't have to push this and that's you know that's that's where they're putting themselves in a good position honestly there isn't a whole lot specifically about tonight's game that i really have to talk about because it was like look this was a shit kicking like they they beat these dudes up up and down the ice all game long they beat them in shots they beat them in attempts scoring chances everything like they were just the better team they had significantly more talent, and we saw that while the game was still competitive for 10 whole minutes. Yep. I I don't really have that much to say about it either because 
they it was routine. The better team yeah. stepped onto the ice. The better team did their job. The better team won the game. Yep. So, I guess being the better team, what would you say that is, AJ? I mean, if you're gonna keep throwing me these really easy alley oops, we're gonna we're gonna start to look like like Penny and Shaq and blue chips. I'm I'm down to look like that. Okay, I mean they did look really <laughs> dope. So I'm saying it's, it's game changing, sir. Yes, it is. And now it's time to tell you about some game changing coffee. Strava Craft Coffee is the CBD infused coffee, and now you can purchase in. K cups as well. If you're the Keurig type, they got you covered. Get on that. Whole bean or ground is an option too. If you like your homemade, they got you. Don't worry. You can purchase online for 20% off using code DNVR20 right now. And you can also get it shipped quickly. They take care of your business and get it to you as soon as possible. There are also local places where you can try Strava Craft these days as well. Carbon Cafe and Bar, Drip Denver, Slow High Coffee, Blue Sparrow Coffee, and Max Market. If you're not sure about ordering, go to one of those places, give it a try, see how it is. Again, CBD is not psychoactive, so highly recommend you try it for yourself. We will be back with period three in a second. Third period of the DNVR Avalanche podcast presented by Davidson's with Rudo and AJ. AJ, you may have seen this tweet that I made today, maybe not, but Joe Sackick's offseason acquisitions, that is all of the trades that he made and all of the free agents that he's signed, have now combined for 146 points so far on the season. When you look at what Joe Sackick let go in trades, those players have combined for 81 points. If you add in a couple of free agents that he's let go, that's another 13 points. So that's 94 points. And then I wasn't sure what exactly to do with Derek Broussard because I didn't know how to count him as the abs kind of knew they were getting him as a rental. So, well, I, I think he counts as a departure. And the thing that I, the player you're not counting that I'm assuming you're not counting that honestly should be in there is Kale McCarr. Correct. I'm not counting Kale McCarr for the the acquisitions as right. well. Because from last year's regular season team, and that was that was everybody's point of contention. Okay, you just gave up 150 points off of this roster. Where are they going to come from? Well, Kale McCarr's addition should 100% be counted in that because he was one of the additions to the team. He's one of the guys who was not on last year's regular season squad. That's on this year's uh, on this year's team, and is a big reason why Tyson Berry was viewed as expendable. It was not. It was not like Tyson Berry was just it, the the team was just over it with Tyson. It was just that they had a player they believed could do the job, and they ended up being and coming off of a fifty nine point season. It was a very legitimate question as to how much can you realistically expect from Makar coming out of college, you know, rookie season and all that. I think, I think you have to include Makar in that total. He is, he is an off season acquisition. I understand that it's like from inside the organization. So it's not quite the same, but like that was part of the equation. Adding him in is part of that equation. I think he should be on there. And I think that that should be part of that conversation moving forward is kill Makar is a huge part of this. 
All right, let's count Kale McCarr and Derek Broussard. Joe Sackick's acquisitions, 186 points for so far this season. Yeah, Joe Sackick's releases, 119 points for. Damn, Derek Broussard's had a good year. Yeah, he's doing all right on the island. So, it almost a 70, nah, let's call it a 60-point increase for the abs in in and out based on the moves they made in the off season. That is massive. I mean, that's insane. It's nasty, man. I mean, <laughs> when you go into an off season and you're like, all right, here's our bigness, biggest weakness. We need to address this. This is what GMs dream of is addressing it in this way where it's just like, well, that problem is solved. Not, Hey, we did a nice job getting close to solving that problem. That problem is solved. Yep. It It's almost unbelievable that all of the problems that they went out and tried to address got solved. Every single one has netted a positive gain for the Avs. And obviously you talked about the Makar replacing Barry situation in and of itself, but then you have... Kadri stepping in as a 2C, Burakovsky completely realizing his potential as a second-line caliber winger, and even guys like Belmar way outperforming what the Az were expecting out of him offensively, and Donskoy being rock-solid on the left wing when he plays there. There are zero misses for the Avs right now over the past six months. Yeah. So, that's... uh, If Joe Sackick has figured out how to do that. Pfft, I, this team is, is going places. I'll tell you that much. Yeah. And like, obviously you get, you take a chance on an acquisition. A guy fits your culture. He fits your team. He buys in everything. Like this is, this is gone perfectly. Like this will probably not happen again. It's, it's, it's to find a perfect summer for any GM. Yeah. Like, maybe this is Jeff Breidich's secret genius, is that he can't screw up if he doesn't do anything. <laughs> Taps temple meme. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Like, that's this is this is the thing we're not considering. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you're not wrong, except for that, you know, the team kind of struggled last year. Which, hey, I mean, Joe Sackick didn't do much after the Avs disaster year, to be fair. Yeah, I mean, it's he's consistently a very patient guy. He is. He has never really jumped the gun. I, for the most part, I would say when he's on the buying side of things. Yeah, he's you know he he's been afforded great patience uh, from management, and that's allowed him to kind of be who he is, which is just sort of you know he's not he's not in a hurry. He's he'll get he's got time. He's he's got. He'll he'll do it when an opportunity presents itself. And he's built a, a top 10 hockey team. I would say top six, I think, is where the abs I, I would have them in the league right now. And he's built a top five farm system. So he's got he's got assets. He's and he's in the bottom five in salary cap obligations. So he's got a top five salary cap situation, a top five uh, system and a top six hockey team. It's, it's the best combination of all of them. The in only the, thing in the entire league. There's no team that can compete with that 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 trio. 
Right. The only thing left to cement this season would be to make a solid win at the trade deadline. Yeah, pretty much, man. And even if even if that doesn't happen, like you can make a strong cogent argument that doing absolutely nothing it's also perfectly acceptable with this group. Yeah, absolutely. That That is an option that you could call a win at the trade deadline. And deciding whether it was a win or not is unfortunately something that you have to look at in hindsight most of the time. Yeah. So take what you want from it, I suppose. But this is kind of new for me, I guess. You know, growing up as a kid, that when the Avs were insanely good, I didn't understand the mechanics behind building a hockey team or, yeah. or anything like that. Like the, the and, Avs dropped into Denver with ready-made Hall of Fame talent in their prime. We had no idea. Yeah, just it, this was just hockey, and, and that's how it worked in Denver, basically, for for my generation at least. And yeah, Congrats, you got to watch elite players. Exactly. So for my entire adult life, growing up watching the Avs was more of, well, not growing up, but understanding that teams get built by GMs and how things work. The Avs were never well put together team really so i guess i'm just excited about the new experience of watching the fruits of the abs front office's labor yeah i mean you really like <laughs> this is a good hockey team man like you go down the list of it and we were having i think you and i were having this conversation the other day that if you just go and look at the abs roster there's maybe two guys on it who you would say are borderline NHL players. Yep. And that's Kamenev and Barbario. Which he was on a conditioning stint, by the way. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Let's can we let's touch on that just very quickly. Sure. Um, so they they have sent because I got a lot of people who are like, oh, what's this about? Um, so I'd like to just quickly touch on this, but a conditioning stint is just something that teams are, it's a tool for teams to get players into action who haven't played in a while. And uh, the Barbarios last game was uh, December 18th. Uh, you know, obviously the break and all that stuff played a role into it. But once you reach a certain, th- a certain threshold, and I don't remember exactly what it is, but it's, it's quite a while. Uh, you can send a guy down on a conditioning stint. He's down there for either two weeks or five games. Um, I think it's whichever one happens first. Uh, and then he has to come back up. So he doesn't have, you don't have to worry about waivers. The abs didn't have to expose him to anything. Nobody could claim him. It was not that kind of process. But it's just about getting him down there and getting him some game action in case the abs need him. Not a, oh, we're going to bring Callie Rosen up and we're going to showcase him for something. That's not what this is happening. This is, that is not the conversation for this. Um, this is not what they're up to at all. It's just about getting Barb's a little bit of time, keeping him fresh. Yeah. Turns out playing hockey is kind of important to, you know, playing hockey. It's hard to stay like if you now now that you're down into the stretch of the season and you're kind of on the backslide of it, uh, you're into February and beyond. You you don't want to be experimenting and tinkering with your lineup as much. You you know, you know what you have. You know what you have that works and what you have that doesn't. And you know what you don't have. And you just there's just no reason to 
to tinker unnecessarily at this point. They've got good chemistry. They've figured a lot of this stuff out. They're in a very good spot. Honestly, this was a smart idea. I hadn't, I, it did not, it was not something I had thought of. And as soon as I saw it, I was like, this makes all the sense in the world. Yeah. This is smart management. It's, uh, there's no losers to this situation. The Avs prospect decor is already very, very thin at the AHL level. So you just drop them in there and don't worry about it. Right. And you're replacing Rosen's role with Barbarios. Like you're not, it's not like throwing another guy down there and, uh, you know, talking about like all the frustrations that we have with how guys occasionally get used in the AHL. It's not, it's not this conversation at all. You're replacing an AHL vet with an AHL vet. Yep. So uh, very, why not take advantage of it here? You can get a guy games and at least make sure he's still in the rhythm of playing hockey. Even if it's AHL level, Barbario understands how to play in the NHL. Just get him skating, get him in game situations. Yeah. And the other, the other upside of it is that Callie Rosen won is being sent the message that, hey, this is kind of what we see you as. Uh, And for next season, when you look ahead at next year, you don't expect that Connor Timmons or Bo Byram is going to be their seventh guy. You expect that occasionally they might get healthy scratched and the seventh guy that they do have could slide in for him. But that seventh guy is, to me, it looks like they're very clearly grooming Rosen for that role next year. I mean, he has the extra year on his contract. It Everything lines up for Rosen to be the seventh D, assuming yep. he can hack it, which uh, there's no reason to believe he can't with what we've seen. Well, and, and assuming that they don't go out and they don't, you know, they they don't yeah. do something else. The Maybe only they thing that $12 million on Alex Petrangelo, who knows? Well, well, and the only thing that I think puts that really into any kind of jeopardy is that if they punt their decision, they say, yeah. hey, we've got Nikita Zadorov for an RFA for two more years. We've got Ian Cole under contract for one more year. We don't need to do anything else. We'll let the expansion draft make the decision for us. And then we'll let Cole go at the end of next season. And then we'll, you know, we'll get to whatever happens with Byram and whatever happens with Timmons because of their kind of aggressive approach with some of their young guys in recent years. I just, I would be surprised if that was what they did, but I think this is very clearly the writing on the wall for, uh, for Callie Rosen to say, hey, we like you. We want you to keep your confidence up. We want you to know that we believe in you. This is just, right now, we're just a Stanley Cup contending team with seven guys. And you'd be our eighth guy right now. Yeah. I. That's just reality. I, I have no problems with that. The abs are deep. And yeah, the... You can talk about going back. Something we talked about a lot was all of the defensemen the abs signed. Mark Alt, Mark Barbario at the Anton time, Lindholm. Ex- Anton Lindholm. There was the extension to Patrick Nemeth. All those guys that they signed a couple years ago and, and through last year. Yep. It, it's time to start shedding the contracts now. And, and Rosen is stuck until Barbario's contract sheds off, essentially. Yeah. And that's an easy one to one replacement, but it's really hard for me to believe that Bo Byram's not on this team next year. I would agree with that for certain. It, uh, where else is he going to go? He, there's no way you can send him back to juniors. So I'm with you, man. I mean, this is this is where <laughs> you just send him to Carpot. 
<laughs> go to Europe for a year, butter. That's right. Go go play with Eustace Ananen and get get comfortable with your goaltender of the future. There you go. <laughs> that team is sick. Good. That's so. what I'm saying, man. Just go play on a jack team and go go win a, a Finnish championship <laughs> for no good reason. Just because. <laughs> yeah. No, I uh, I do think that um, Byram next year is is still the plan. I I hope it is. I mean, I'll put it that way. Why wouldn't it yeah. be, man? Right, exactly. Like, so. They were they were so tempted to keep him this year. Like you could just tell they wanted so badly to keep him, but they were just like, shh, it's just He's not quite ready. Not good enough. We're yeah. trying to win the Stanley Cup this year. We're just not there. He needs one more year. But maybe the more interesting conversation will be whatever they want to do with Alex Newhook. He's going to make it hard to send him back. That's for sure. He he is definitely at least, you know, that when they're sitting down and they have these conversations, he's at least forced some sort of pause in that conversation. It's well, no longer just like two years, go and do it. And you know, that kid, that type of player is going to show up in the summer for the rookie three on three and just blow dudes away. Right. Like Bo Byram may not take it seriously again because he's just like, yeah, whatever. Been here, done this. But, you know, New Hook's going to be like, oh, you didn't want to sign me after my freshman year, huh? Okay. Okay. Kind of wreck these kids. <laughs> okay. Well, let's see what we do to all these new draftees that you guys just brought in because I'm about to put them on the wrong end of some gifts. <laughs> So I'm looking forward to that, but I, I, oh, that's yeah. the hype around this team. This team is already really good, and the, that is the future. I We talk about it a lot, but I'm going to keep saying it because this team is dope, and it's going to be dope. Yeah, and so. this is this is fun. We should we should definitely remember that. Like, there's there statistically heartbreak is very likely how this season ends, but as yep. of right now, this is a lot of fun. You have a very good team. You have a very young team with a super bright future, but a very bright present. This is a lot of fun. This is a very good hockey team to watch night in and night out. And the fact that they are just obliterating opposing NHL teams and just discarding them is, it's fun. It's a good time, man. Three years ago, we were watching them be the ones that were discarded. They'd give up that goal in the first period, and you knew they weren't coming back. It was just done. Yep. And... Teams pack it in, man. Bad teams pack it in, and the Avs are making bad teams pack it in. Right. So enjoy it because that's this is what got me into hockey, was watching superstar Avs make bad teams pack it in, and then the hype show around playing the good teams. They didn't win every game, but watching two Titanic teams go up against each other and just battle it out is mm. it's what hockey's all about, man. And the Avs are in a position to be doing that again. Yep, hundred percent, man. This is this should be the beginning of another golden era. One hundred percent. I, it's awesome. I'm enjoying everything. We're gonna end the show there before I I keep just spilling about how I love everything. Yeah. So way too much positivity on the show. We need we need somebody to come in and yell at some clouds for us and get us off this hype train. We'll get there soon enough because we have to talk about all these trade possibilities tomorrow so (laughs) send us your crazy trades that we can yell at or maybe we'll like them who knows you never know highly appreciate all the ones that have already sent it in you can look forward to that tomorrow 
But for now, we got to get out of here, and we will talk to you then. There is only one place you can get a true Colorado mountain pie. It's your favorite, locally owned, legendary, unbelievably delicious pizza joint, Bojo's. And now they're giving free honey cheese bread to DNVR fam members with purchase of an entree. All you have to do is mention this ad when you go in and they will hook you up at any one of their six Colorado locations. They also just have straight up amazing pizza with dough made fresh daily and they infuse it with natural honey sweetener as well as well as a bunch of other stuff you have breck brew on tap you got a salad bar you got four dollar happy hours just go there check it out trust me it's good pizza try it